It's the holiday season, and I'm giving Texas Longhorn football fans nine things to be thankful for during the holiday. You are Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked on Longhorns, the show. Jonathan Davis, your host. Today's episode of Locked on Longhorns is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked on College for $20 off your first purchase. On today's episode of Locked on Longhorns, because it's the holiday season, nine things that Texas Longhorn football fans should be thankful for. I could have came up with 15 based on the last decade that we've gone through, but you know, I have to be concise. I only got 25 to 30 minutes to work with. So Nine things, once again, that Longhorn fans should be thankful for. That is the entire episode today on Locked On Longhorns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So I just want to say happy holidays to uh, everybody that's listening, whether you're a Texas Longhorns fan or a fan of another you know, football program. I appreciate all the support that I get here on Locked On Longhorns. If you celebrated Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, or you know, whatever you celebrate during the holidays, um, I hope you had a safe, fun, uh, you know, relaxing and rewarding um, holiday break. And if you don't celebrate the holidays and you're just happy to be off of work for a few days, I'm happy for you as well. <laughs> right? So I hope everybody um, has had a good time before they ultimately go back to work whenever that is. Also, to my fantasy football players who will be competing for a championship this week. I want to say congrats. Um, I am one of those fantasy football players that will be competing for a championship this week. And I only participate in one league. I don't hedge my bets, right? I'm a commissioner of one league. That's the only league I play in. So, you know, it's tough, you know, every year, right, to, to make it to the championship and win it. And it was a little dicey. Going into the Ravens and 49ers game, uh, which was a really good game, by the way. We saw Brock Purdy come back to earth a little bit. But I needed 16 – or excuse me, I needed 13 points from Longhorn legend Justin Tucker, right? And you know if you play fantasy football, you're not just getting 13 points from your kicker every week. But because of the way the game went, because Brock Purdy threw four interceptions, <laughs> right, Justin Tucker ended up giving me 16 points, propelling me into the fantasy championship. So, you know, good luck to everybody that's participating in their championship. And hopefully y'all make a little bit of pocket change or make your money back at least during this holiday season. I woke up this morning and I started to think about what Texas Longhorn fans should be thankful for. And like I said, I came up with a bunch of reasons, right, based on uh, the last decade. But nine of them were profound to me. And I'm going to share the nine I came up with with you. And the first one is stability, right? When you look at any great organization, any great, you know, job or workplace culture or any great sports team, typically it starts at the top, right? And what you see on the front lines or what you see on the football field, the basketball court or the baseball diamond, et cetera, is a direct reflection of leadership at the top, right? Similarly, or, you know, in contrast, you can say the same thing about a bad organization. If there's, uh, you know, not a great product on the football field, you know, baseball diamond or basketball court or, you know, there's toxicity in the locker room, um, you know, typically, you know, and that's not even just sports, but, you know, in a, a, a job or, you know, a service organization period, if things are, you know, in disarray on the front lines, it's typically a result of ownership, leadership and management at the top. And I think that the reason that this Texas football program is in the current state that it's in is because of the stability and the leadership that Chris Del Conte and Steve Sarkeesian have brought to this program. So when we start with CDC, he was hired 
in 2017. And since then, he's done an amazing job, not just with the football program, but with all sports. Right. Since he was hired, Texas has finished no lower than fifth in the director's cup standings. That's like since the first year he got here, when he was first getting his feet wet at the University of Texas, he has not finished lower than fifth in the director's cup standings in the last three years. He's either finished at the top or as close to the top as you can get with two director's cup championships and a second place finish. So since CDC has arrived at the University of Texas, our athletic program has been, you know, one of, if not the premier athletic program across all sports in the entire country. And then some people will say, oh, who cares about the director's cup? Who cares about swimming and diving and all of that? We want to talk about the money sports. OK, well, let's talk about the money sports. <laughs> right. When you talk about baseball, the last three years, they've had two College World Series appearances. When you talk about softball, they've competed for a championship, although they had to go against Oklahoma and that juggernaut. Right. When you talk about basketball on the men's side, they had an elite eight appearance. When you talk about basketball on the women's side, they've had a final four appearance. And when you look at the football team, they are 20 and six the last two seasons with a college football playoff appearance currently and being two wins away from a national championship so cdc has done an amazing job and the stability he's brought to our athletic programs specifically you know this football program is why you are seeing the product that you are seeing on the field and steve sarkeesian our forever head coach i don't think there's any doubts that he should be the head coach at least right now for as long as he wants to be at the university of texas and when we look at it after year three we didn't just we didn't just have questions about charlie strong we fired charlie strong for going 16 and 21 we know that's not good enough at the university of texas Tom Herman wasn't fired after three years, but he was fired after four seasons, going 32 and 16 and 4 and 0 in bowl games with a New Year's Six bowl win, because that was not the standard at the University of Texas. But after year three, we had legitimate questions about Tom Herman, not only on the football field, but behind the scenes in the locker room. Like, what was the culture of this program like? The only question marks we have about Steve Sarkeesian after year three is the financials on his extension and where that would put him amongst the highest paid coaches in college football. That's the only question we have about Steve Sarkeesian after year three. So we now have stability in our organization. We now have stability at this university. We now have stability. And the reason you are seeing the product you are seeing on the football field and the reason that Texas is one of the premier programs in college football right now, once again, is because of the leadership of Steve Sarkeesian and Chris Del Conte. The second thing that Texas fans should be thankful for is the NIL and the one-time transfer rule. And I know that, you know, not just Texas fans, but college football fans as a whole still aren't really on the same page in terms of whether NIL and the one-time transfer rule are good for the sport, right? There's a lot of people that think that, you know, um, those two things are, you know, taking away some of the passion um, in the sport and some of the things that have made college football unique to, you know, a brand like the NFL. And a lot of people think that, you know, there's no pride or loyalty anymore. It's all about who's offering the biggest dollar, right? You know, and I'm not going to say you're right. I'm not going to say you're wrong. But at the end of the day, that's the current state of college football. And my favorite quote from Steve Sarkeesian all of all time, I say it all the time on this podcast, literally, he said it on the pivot interview is adapt or die, right? That is just the current state of college football and the teams that are using it to their advantage are the teams that are winning at the highest level in college football. If their current recruiting ranking holds for the 2024 recruiting class, Texas will have three straight top five classes under Steve Sarkeesian. That would not be possible without NIL, right? Texas has also brought in legitimate game changers out of the transfer portal in 2022 and 2023. And I would expect the players that they brought in for the 2024 class, you know, based on what they did at their previous destinations, will be really good football players for Texas as well. Adapt or die, right? You can say whatever about NIL and the one-time transfer rule. You can feel whatever about NIL and the one-time transfer rule. The bottom line is the teams that are competing at the highest level in college football right now have embraced it, right? When you look at programs like Texas, 
Missouri, Ole Miss, and Florida State, they have thrived because they've leaned into NIL and the one-time transfer rule, whereas programs like Clemson and Texas A&M have crumbled either because they failed to use it or they've misused you know, NIL and the transfer portal, specifically the one-time transfer rule. So adapt or die. Steve Sarkeesian has adapted, and that's why Texas is a premier football program in college football once again. The third thing that Texas Longhorn fans should be thankful for is consistent and elite quarterback play. Right. You get spoiled and you have, you know, Vince Young and then Colt McCoy back to back. You have both of those players lead you to national championship games. And then you have Garrett Gilbert after that, who's the Gatorade High School Player of the Year. And you just expect that, you know, you're going to have elite quarterback play and a consistent quarterback play forever. Right. And then the next decade told us not to take that for granted, because then we went on a 10 plus year stretch where the only quarterback at the 40 acres that left the mark was Sam Ellicott. Right. But over the last two years, we've seen stretches of great to elite quarterback play from Quinn Ewers. And he's already left the legacy, you know, winning the first Big 12 championship for Texas since 2009 and leading them to their first ever college football playoff appearance. And if he comes back for, you know, his third season, I would expect that Quinn Ewers would be at minimum a top three to four quarterback in college football next year with his experience with Steve Sarkeesian running the show and the weapons he'll have around him. And then when you look at what comes after, Quinn Ewers, right? You have Arch Manning, who we all expect to be all world whenever he takes the reins at the 40 acres. You have Trey Owens and KJ Lacey, who look like really good quarterbacks that could be really productive under Sark with the wide receiver, tight end, and running back talent we have at the 40 acres. Can't forget to mention the O-line. And I would be remiss not to mention Malik Murphy, one of the most talented quarterbacks in the country who is now at Duke, who led us to two crucial wins this year. We would not be in the college football playoff and possibly would have not competed for a Big 12 championship without those. So we went a decade plus without really any consistent or elite quarterback play outside of a couple of years from Sam Ellinger. And now we look like we could have consistent and elite quarterback play for the next decade. Plus that's certainly something that Texas fans should be thankful for a quick word from our sponsors. And the fourth thing we should be thankful for Pete Kukowski. Today's episode of locked on Longhorns is brought to you by eBay motors, passion, drive and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights and more. Whether you're into speed, power or style, eBay Motors has got you covered with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, your vehicle, your lifeline. You'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guarantee Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. eBay guaranteed fit is only available to U.S. customers. All right, so as mentioned before the break, the fourth thing that I think Texas Longhorn fans should be thankful for is Pete Kukowski. And it's been a long and interesting ride uh, with Pete Kukowski since 2021 because our defense was not great that year at all. And it was one of the biggest reasons, if not the biggest reason, that this Texas Longhorns football team went five and seven. And, you know, I'm sure a bunch of Texas Longhorn fans, I would say at least 35 to 40 percent wanted Pete Kukowski fired, even after one year. But it's a reminder that, you know, these things take time, right? Rome wasn't built in a day. 
And then last year, we saw flashes of a great defense, right? We saw a defense that held Alabama to 20 points. We saw a defense that held TCU to 17 points, right? We saw a defense that other times, you know, just uh, over the course of the year looked like a unit that we had not seen at the 40 acres in a long time. But there was an un uncommon denominator in Gary Patterson, right? And based on what Gary Patterson had done over the last 20 years at TCU, a lot of people attributed the defense improving to Gary Patterson and said Pekakowski had nothing to do with it. Now, that was an ill informed take, right? You know, I think. But, you know, I also, you know, understand why, you know, some Texas fans would say that Gary Patterson deserved more credit than Pekakowski because at the end of the day, when you watch Pekakowski in 2021 and then Gary Patterson joins the staff and all of a sudden the Texas defense looks completely different in 2022. I understand why you would attribute that to Gary Patterson, but really the issue is we just weren't patient enough with Pete Kukowski in year one. And over the last two years, he's proven why he deserved that patience. When you look at it this year, over the course of the season, the entire season, not just flashes, Texas was an elite defense, right? And, you, you know, maybe outside of the Oklahoma game and a few stretches here and there, but over the course of a 13 game season, this was an elite defense and one of the best in the country, Texas, is 13th in scoring defense, allowing only 17 and a half points per game, right? So they're allowing the 13th most points per game in FBS football with 136 teams, whatever it is, right? That is their highest ranking since 2009, where they had the 12th best scoring defense, right? So the best scoring defense in over a decade at the 40 acres. Texas is third in rushing defense this year, allowing 81 yards per game, rushing yards, on only 2.87 yards per carry, which allowed them to be the third-ranked rushing defense in the country this year. That is their highest ranking since 2009, where Texas had the number one rushing defense in the country. So Texas has had their best rushing defense in over a decade. And when you look at it, Texas is 24th in total defense, allowing 322 yards per game total. That is their highest ranking since 2011, when they were 11th in total defense. Their best ranking in that metric, in over a decade, right? And somebody's going to ask, well, what about the pass defense? Sorry, my computer started tripping when I tried to look it up, right? <laughs> so I don't have that for you, right? But Pete Kukowski has produced a championship-level defense and the best defense on the 40 acres in over a decade, not to mention last year in terms of development, and we'll get into you know that next, more so on the development side. But Jalen Ford was snubbed for Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year. This year, Byron Murphy won Big 12 Defensive Lineman of the Year. Tavondre Sweat won Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year. And Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy were both All-Americans under Pete Kukowski. And that's why Texas fans should be thankful for him. Continuing on the development tip, we've looked at, you know, this Texas football team for years and said development is lacking. Culture is lacking. We have the talent. We have the resources. But those two things have kept Texas from producing at the level that we are accustomed to seeing them produce or it limited their ceiling. Right. We felt like Texas could be better than they were over the last decade. And two of the biggest reasons that they weren't is development and that culture. Right. And when we look at this current Texas football team in 2023, we are relying on a lot of players that either were recruited under. Tom Herman or signed to Tom Herman, but never got the opportunity to play under him. And when we're looking at a lot of these players, we can definitively say they either played better under Steve Sarkeesian and this staff than they did under Tom Herman and his staff, or we can project that what we saw under Steve Sarkeesian and his staff likely would not have happened under Tom Herman and his staff with certain players, right? And when I talk about those players that we've seen that from on either side, Bijan Robinson, 
Roshan Johnson, Keandre Coburn, Moral Ojimo, Demarvian uh, Overshawn, Tavondre Sweat, Christian Jones, Jalen Ford, Byron Murphy, JT Sanders, Jade Barron, and Jonathan Brooks, right? Those are all players that have either shown development since Steve Sarkeesian and his staff have taken over, or we can project that they wouldn't have had this success under Tom Herman and his staff. When you look at what Jonathan Brooks did this year, being a dark horse Heisman candidate and being a dope Walker favorite until he tore his ACL, that wasn't happening under Tom Herman and his staff. When you look at Kristen Jones and what he's been able to do the last two years on the offensive line and just he's credited Kyle Flood with changing his life. That's a direct quote from Locked on Longhorns right? when he was on the show. He said Kyle Flood changed his life. We didn't see this performance from Kristen Jones under Tom Herman and his staff. B. John Robinson went in the Dope Walker Award last year. He wasn't utilized properly under Tom Herman and his staff. And then I talked about Tavon Dre Sweat being an All-American, Byron Murphy being an All-American, Jalen Ford being a Defensive Player of the Year snub in the conference last year. That wasn't happening under Tom Herman and his staff. So the fifth thing that Texas Longhorns should be thankful for is the development, right? Because over the last decade, we've screamed that the two things we were missing were development and culture. And now it looks like we have development and culture. The sixth thing that Texas Longhorn fans should be thankful for is premium recruiting at premium positions. Another story I tell all the time on Locked On Longhorns, and I'm, you know, you may be tired of hearing it, I'm not, right? Is when Sark came into his interview and he asked why we had more scholarship offensive linemen, excuse me, more scholarship receivers than scholarship offensive linemen. And that's probably a big reason why this Texas football team underachieved for so long because we did not have the play that we should have in the trenches, especially being in the state of Texas, right? That's where all the big boys come from, damn near. And we've seen over the last three years a concerted effort to beef up the trenches on both sides, right? When we looked at that 2022 class, we had seven offensive linemen in that class, but we had eight defensive linemen in that class as well, right? 15 total players in the trenches. And then they've just continued to do that in each class. And, you know, even in the transfer portal, bringing in defensive tackles like Trill Carter. But to me, right? And I'm not, you know, the first person to say this. I didn't originate this or anything, but the three most important positions in football are the quarterback, the person that throws the ball. We've already talked about, you know, consistent and elite quarterback play at the University of Texas, the offensive lineman or tackle that protects the quarterback's blind side, you know, it's typically the left tackle, or if you're left-handed, then that's the right tackle, right? But I think Texas has done a really good job at both tackle spots. And then the edge rusher, right? The person that is paid to stop the quarterback from throwing the ball. Those are the three most important positions in sports, and especially in the modern, you know, era of football where you're throwing the ball a lot more than you're running it. Most teams are. And Texas has recruited at a premium level at the premium positions, right? We talked about bringing in uh, Quinn Ewers, Malik Murphy, Arch Manning, KJ Lacey, and Trey Owens. They've done a really good job at the quarterback position. You were able to bring in... Kelvin Banks, who has looked like one of the best left tackles in the country since day one and should be a top 10 pick in the 2025 NFL draft. You also brought in the number one offensive tackle in Brandon Baker um, out of modern day in the 2024 class, who I think could step in right away and be your starting right tackle or could sit behind Kelvin Banks or uh, Cam Williams for a year and then step in and have the pedigree to be one of the best offensive tackles in the country. And then when you talk about what you brought in at the edge position, you brought in a bunch of talented players that could be really good depth for you. But in terms of top end special superstar level players with the talent like Trey Moore and Colin Simmons, I don't think we've seen a duo or a tandem at the edge position like that in 
to 40 acres in over a decade as well, right? So it's not just bringing in talented players because Texas has done that over the last decade. It's the premium recruiting at the premium positions, the defensive line, the offensive line, but specifically the three most important positions in football, quarterback, offensive tackle, and edge rusher. Over the last couple of years, Steve Sarkeesian and his staff have hit that out of the park. And that's another reason that one, Texas Longhorns should be thankful for. And two, Texas Longhorn fans have something to be thankful for on the football field. A quick word from our sponsors. And then we get into the last three reasons why you should be thankful for this football program during the holiday season. So the seventh thing that I think Texas Longhorn fans should be thankful for is the prestige of making the 14 college football playoff. Right. When we looked at you know, the induction of the 14 college football playoff, I believe it was in 2014, you knew two things from the start, right? That there were five power five conference teams, right? So you knew that winning a conference championship was not even enough to guarantee you a spot in the college football playoff. Now, whether that was the right decision or not, it brought a level of exclusivity, exclusivity, excuse me, to the college football playoff, right? You knew going into the season that you could not afford more than one loss to get into the college football playoff. And in some scenarios over the last, you know, nine years, we've seen teams go undefeated. And I'm not just talking about Florida State specifically. We've seen teams go undefeated and not make it into the college football playoff. So you knew that you had to be a special team to get there. You knew you had to be a dominant team over the course of the season to get there. And you knew from day one that you really had no margin for error to get into the college football playoff. To me, making it into the college football playoff when there's only four teams that make it out of like 134 FBS teams, that is special. And it means just a little bit more to me than starting next year when 12 teams make it and almost every program can say we made it to the college football playoff. Now, to some Texas fans, that might not matter. But when teams like Iowa, Louisville, Missouri, Ole Miss, and Penn State start making the college football playoff consistently every year, right? It's going to water it down a little bit, and it's not going to mean the same. So to me, I think it means something that Texas was able to make the, make the college football playoff, albeit in the last year or whatever, <laughs> right? Texas was able to make the college football playoff in the four-team era. It's just a little bit more prestigious to me. And like I said, when 12 teams start making it, when we got – you know, automatic qualifiers and a big 12 team that can't hold a candle to anybody makes the college football playoff just because, you know, they won a conference championship. Then I think you'll appreciate that Texas was able to do it when only four teams were making it a little bit more. Because like I said, moving forward next year, you're going to see teams that, you know, you have no regard for making the college football playoff on a consistent basis. It just won't be as much of an accomplishment as it has been over the last nine years. And we can always say as Texas Longhorn fans that we made it before they move to 12 teams. The eighth thing that Texas Longhorn fans should be thankful for is the move to the SEC. You know, I talked about this a little bit on my uh, crossover. It was a great episode, got great engagement. I know Texas Longhorn fans hate Drake, and I know he goes out of his way to make sure that Texas Longhorn fans hate Drake, but it was a good episode overall. Um, that the move to the SEC is not so much about the Big 12. Like, I don't want to be that person. Like, I don't want to come out here and say the Big 12 sucks and, you know, they did this to us and they did that to us. And I can't wait to get out of this conference because, you know, I am going to miss Big 12, uh, you know, basketball and Big 12 baseball. And there are a lot of regional rivalries that we're losing. You know, my little sister goes to Baylor. Once we go to the SEC, that really doesn't mean anything. So, you know, like we don't have any Texas Baylor beef anymore. We all know Houston, Texas Tech, uh, you know, Baylor, um, 
I'm missing other schools, TCU fans, alumni, right? That we can all talk trash to whenever our sports teams play each other. We're losing all of that, right? So, you know, leaving the Big 12 is not just a thank God to me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's not. Like, I, you know, I am going to miss certain rivalries, certain conversations, um, and certain athletic, you know, partnerships in this conference. But when you look at the move to the SEC, specifically on the football side, you know, I hate to be cliche, and I said it in the last episode, but it just means more, right? When you look at our home slate this year, um, you know, we played Alabama on the road, but what was our best home game this year? Kansas State, maybe, you know, Texas Tech, maybe. Either way, those two games don't hold a candle to Georgia coming to DKR next year. Florida, I know they're down right now, but that's still a legendary program. Florida, you know, coming to DKR next year. Alabama, uh, Texas A&M renewing that rivalry. Arkansas coming to DKR. And then you getting to go to those destinations on the road in the SEC, going to Rocky Top. Kyle Field, Bryant Denny, the Swamp, uh, you know, uh, Georgia, I forgot what it's called, the Hedges, you know, between the Hedges, you know, Rocky Top with Tennessee, if I didn't already mention them. There's just so many premier destinations in the SEC. Hell, you can even go to Nashville, Tennessee, not to see Vanderbilt, but just because Nashville is lit, you know what I'm saying? I'll be there in March, right? So um, to me, the move to SEC um, just provides a better fan experience. And Texas and Oklahoma are two of the premier programs, specifically in college football. And if the SEC is the best conference in college football, then they should have the best teams. And they did that by adding Texas and Oklahoma, at least two of the best football programs, I should say, maybe not two of the best teams right now, talking about Oklahoma specifically, because Texas were up, right? But like I said, I think, you know, Texas fans should be thankful for the move to the SEC because I think moving forward, the football games will just mean more. The football games will be better in terms of the on-field product and the football games will be better in terms of the fan experience, whether it's home or away, you're just getting better games now on a yearly basis than the big 12 could provide for you. It has nothing to do with necessarily the big 12 and me hating on them. It's just all about what the SEC can provide. It just means more. And the ninth and final thing that we should be thankful for is that kids from Texas want to play for Texas. The last decade, we have watched some of the most talented players in the state either go to Texas A&M, other schools in Texas, or move on and go out of state. We've seen over the last decade, schools in I mean, kids in Texas say, I'm not going to Texas as if we were the laughing stock of college football. There were kids in Texas that grew up that had no real resemblance of Texas being one of the dominant programs in college football. So you, not, you could not blame them for going out of state or going to other schools in state. Even in this cycle, we saw, thankfully, two players that we flipped, Wardell Mack and Xavier Filsami, commit to Florida and then say, you know what, I want to stay home and compete for the University of Texas. And hopefully we can flip, you know, Clemson commit, uh, Corey and Gibson. I'm not sure if he signed yet already. Maybe he signed, so that could be null and void. But nonetheless, we are now seeing the best players in Texas, like John Tay Cook, Anthony Hill, Colin Simmons, uh, Malik Muhammad, the list goes on and on, want to stay in Texas and play with the state across their chest and family across their back. And for the better part of a decade, that was not the case. We saw all the best players in the state, once again, go to other schools in the state or go out of state to play their college football. But now, because of the current state of this program and the eight previous reasons I mentioned that we should be thankful for, kids in Texas want to stay in Texas and play for Texas, once again, with the state across their chest and the family across their back. And that's the ninth reason we should be thankful for. And that's the biggest reason, because we know how fertile the recruiting ground is in texas i hate saying that but it's the only thing i can think of we know how good the players are here and if you can bring in the best players in texas and keep them in texas to play at the university of texas then you're gonna have a good product on the football field for a long time thank you for tuning in to another episode of locked on longhorns part of the locked on podcast network your team every day i meant to say this at the beginning of the episode 
but I'm thankful for everybody that's listened, you know, to the end. Um, my episode tomorrow will be out a little bit later. I'm doing a crossover with the two locked on Huskies guys to talk uh, specifically about the matchup on Monday, the Sugar Bowl between Texas and Washington. I know recently uh, my podcast episodes on audio have been coming out prior to 11. My YouTube videos have been dropping at 11, but we're recording at 1030 Central. So the YouTube video will probably drop at noon Central tomorrow and the audio will drop between somewhere drop somewhere between 11 and noon central tomorrow. So a little bit later than usual, but I promise it's going to be a really good episode and worth the wait. Hook them and peace.